When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Welcome to Pod Save the Queen. Before we begin, this episode contains conversation and spoilers about Netflix series The Crown. And we're not just discussing season four, but talking about episodes from across the run. So make sure you're up to date because there will be spoilers. You have been warned. Pod Save the Queen! Hello and welcome to Pod Save the Queen. This is a special episode this week as we are chatting all things at The Crown after the latest season, season four, dropped on Netflix. I'm joined by two special guests, uh, the Mirror's film writer, Lewis Knight. Hello. And the Daily Express's Lauren O'Canahan. Hello both. Hi. And thanks for joining me. Pleasure, pleasure to join so obviously there's been lots of excitement about the lots of excitement about the new series and it covers lots of really you know key parts of the royal family's history we have everything from charles and diana you know their first meeting their wedding and we also have the queen's relationship with prime minister margaret thatcher we have the palace break-in and also prince andrew's uh, wedding to sarah ferguson so first things first what did you guys think of it were you did you enjoy it as much as the previous series? Because I know you both guys are both big fans. Um, I yeah, no, I really loved this season. I thought um, I thought it was better than the previous season. I think there was kind of a bit more momentum to it by kind of really focusing on the kind of key storylines of the Queen with her relationship with Margaret Thatcher, but also Charles and Diana. It had a real kind of like through line the whole way through, and I thought they had such great performances from Gillian Anderson as Thatcher and Emma Corrin as Diana. It really kind of uh rejuvenated the series a bit i think it really kind of and it's added such an extra level of excitement and hype around it as well so i think that really kind of adds to your viewing enjoyment while watching it and laura what do you how do you think it compared see i oh i don't, I don't know i didn't feel the same way i i oh, liked, really yeah i like the there was it was definitely more dramatic but i felt that it veered into slightly more soapy territory i just felt like the previous ones had a bit more historical gravitas maybe it's because they dealt with eras i really knew nothing about whereas this one you kind of have memories that well i, mean, I don't i was born in 87 so fine i wasn't actually alive for this stuff but you feel like you have a vague memory of it um so i i don't know i just it wasn't the acting was incredible and i really thought emma corin nailed it she was incredible and um she announced as margaret thatcher was really good but it I, I just didn't feel the same rush or glow. That what well, so so weird thing to say, but I just didn't get the same buzz from it that I have had from previous series. So, but everyone else seems to love it. So I do think I'm out here on my own for that one. <laughs> <laughs> no, I completely know what you mean about it being kind of a more recent events, and it's something we'll actually kind of go into in more detail later. But. I know the same as you because even though I wasn't born for most of the events in this, it's that there's still the fact of you've seen the photos, you've seen countless mm. video clips and stuff like that. And um, do you think that impacted your viewing of it, Lewis, as well? Um, yeah, I, I totally get um, what Laura's saying though, because I think the earlier series did really have that kind of like 
period, that period glow to it. It did really feel like an artifact of history that you're looking back on. Whereas, yeah, this feels so recent, I think, with uh, figures like Diana and Margaret Thatcher, because most people have strong opinions about them as people. Mm. Whereas a lot of the events, you know, in the earlier series, people probably don't feel so strongly about or not as aware of kind of the specific details around it. So it, it might have felt even a bit more educational, really, than um, some of this stuff, which I think is more likely to just provoke debate a bit more probably than the earlier the earlier runs with Claire Foy. One of the main pink things that lots of people have been chatting about and asking is how accurate the series is. So to answer all of those questions, we had a quick chat with Majesty Magazine's Ingrid Stewart to find out a bit more about how true to you know historical events the latest series is. So I am joined by Ingrid Stewart, the editor-in-chief of Majesty magazine, uh, just to have a very quick chat about Prince Philip's portrayal in The Crown, uh, because Ingrid has just released a fantastic book about the uh, Duke of Edinburgh, Prince, Prince Philip Revealed, a man of his century. So thank you very much for joining me today. Thank you. Uh, so just quickly then, so you are a, a big fan of The Crown, is that correct? I think it's beautifully made and I think that it is fascinating, absolutely fascinating. Of course, I tell all my friends, this is not a documentary. You mustn't believe that, that everything you see, it, it's, it's got a lot of poetic license there. And the writer, Peter Morgan, has, you know, has used that. Uh, obviously he has, uh, uh, and you mustn't believe it, but you, you watch it and, uh, and enjoy it, but don't take it as completely true, but they all do believe it. And <laughs> um, so obviously it is a kind of, it, you know, there's the, the general storylines are there, but it's lots of added drama and things like that. But how accurate would you say what you've seen is to real life events? I think because I suppose I'm something of a royal anorak, um, <laughs> I, think it's, I think it's pretty inaccurate. Um, but, but to, to my mind, it, it, it never pretended it was going to be accurate. That's the problem. And I don't think, I think, for instance, the character of Princess Margaret is absolutely not what I saw of Princess Margaret. And I didn't like the way that they seemed to have her and the Queen at loggerheads. I thought that, well, that they were always so close and really supported each other. Um, but of course, it, ma it makes it a much better story to have them at loggerheads. So... I mean, I'm not criticising the writer. I'm just saying, you know, the, the, just have to watch it, but not believe it. And so speaking about Philip uh, specifically then here, so how do you think, you know, in terms of how he's portrayed, do you think that's kind of a fair representation of what he's like as a person? Obviously, you've met him um, on numerous occasions. I don't want to knock the crown too much, having said how much I enjoyed it, but I did not like the portrayal of Prince Philip at all. I thought Matt Smith, the actor, got it wrong. Um, I think for, it was partly the way that he stood. I think the, one of the reasons we loved the film The Queen was because Helen Mirren got her movements absolutely right. Obviously, facially, you're never going to reproduce the person. So it's, it's the way they do things, the way they talk, the way they move. And Prince, one thing about Prince Philip you really notice is that he's actually quite small. You know, he's not as tall as he looks, but he is so ramrod straight and his head is held so high. And Matt Smith sort of always looked a bit as though he'd just, 
you know, escape from a kennel. Like he just, his head was wrong. And I thought that he was too distant with the queen. And Prince Philip is, is of course, not ever tactile in public, but is a tactile person in private. And we were meant to be seeing it in private. And I just feel uh, he got it quite wrong. Poor Matt Smith. I mean, he obviously he acted to the script, but I just thought it was completely wrong. Okay, and so what do you think it's done for the royal family as a whole? Obviously, we've had a few, a few of them have mentioned comment, you know, given comments saying they don't watch it or they're not particularly, they're not really fans of it. But what do you think it's done for the monarchy and how people view it? I think actually it's done a great deal of good for the monarchy because it's brought the monarchy and the fact that they do have problems in their everyday lives like we all do and um, uh, it's brought the monarchy into into people's homes that never ever ever would have known anything about the royal family i think it's i think it's been amazing it may uh, of course the stories it's projecting are not true but it is giving an all over feel of the fact that these people do have difficult lives and they do have difficult problems and you know it's it's not all rosy at all being a member of the royal family, which we read about, but then they can see it. And I think it's I think it's been very positive for the monarchy. And obviously the, the new series that's out now is is kind of more recent because anyone that hasn't watched up until this point, it's kind of focuses on a different period of time. But the the issues that are being focused on in this series are, you know, things that happen that lots of people remember now. And we're obviously seeing Princess Diana for the first time. And um, how do you feel about you know, doing doing this kind of program about people who were very much, you know, s- still still around. I am not sure about that. I think that nobody can. Uh, Diana is so iconic, and she's the most photographed woman in the world, and probably the most visually seen woman ever. That you cannot re- really reproduce her. I mean, no one is ever going to look like her. And I certainly don't think that the girl that plays her now uh, is right. But then I would think that about anyone because I know Diana, I knew Diana and I know what she looked like. And and it's impossible to re- reproduce such an icon like people try and reproduce Marilyn Monroe. And they do get people that look like her, but they don't move like, there's always something wrong. So I think everyone picks holes in, in iconic figures, very difficult to, to reproduce. And um, I also feel that the whole Diana saga, uh, you know, we, we never stop hearing about it. And I do think it's quite, sad for for Prince Charles and and his sons actually to have to having everybody going over it again and again I'm sure Prince Charles won't watch it Um, but it's quite hurtful to be portrayed uh, in such a big drama um, in a way that he obviously is not going to find accurate so it's tough it's tough for living people to be portrayed in a way that they obviously think is completely untrue and imagine if somebody portrayed you or me in a way that is you know and they said and i said but i never said that i would never say that i never looked like that i mean it would be hurtful wouldn't it oh yes definitely and i think the only thing to do would be not to see it i think it would be a great mistake to see it um, and i'm sure that, that that's why most members of the royal family haven't seen it because it, it would just upset you and annoy you. 
And so just last off then, who is your favourite character in it? You know, who's the kind of, do you think is the best portrayal or, you know, just the one you enjoy watching in terms of the actress or actor that's taken on the role? I think I enjoy watching the Queen. Um, although I don't like, uh, I loved Claire Foy as the Queen. And I look forward to seeing the next Queen uh, the one at the moment, I don't, uh, Olivia Coleman, I don't like. She's just too too big. The Queen is tiny and was very, very slender. She had a 21-inch waist. I think that I don't like Olivia Coleman's Queen, but, but I loved Claire Foy's Queen, and I look forward to seeing the next one. Lovely. Well, thank you very much for joining us, and enjoy the series. Thank you. Thank you so much for that, Ingrid. That was fantastic and, and really interesting to kind of find out your expert opinion on all things going on. So one of the points, obviously, that she mentioned was saying that she doesn't believe the royal family should watch the series, that it would be quite harmful and quite hurtful for them, actually. Um, but there have been reports over the last couple of days that Camilla has actually watched it. And um, Brenda Persson, she's got a great sense of humour and sits down and finds it, you know, all quite entertaining, I think. But, um, you know, the, the good point that Ingrid made is it would be really upsetting to watch this thing. Do you think if you were, you know, imagine that you are now, you know, members of the royal family, do you reckon you'd want to watch it? Um, I think, well, I think I'd have a morbid curiosity, even if I was totally offended by it. You'd want to see what how they've portrayed you. Um, I think, I mean, I think to be honest, I think it's quite, uh, it comes off quite well for Camilla that she'd be so kind of, I guess, down to earth or, kind of not so fussed about kind of like the controversy around it um to watch it uh, rather than i guess like clutching her pearls and not wanting to kind of have anything to do with it i think it's quite interesting i mean i certainly would i think everybody thinks about if they oh if i was in a film or a tv show who play me what would it be like how would how would they take <laughs> me so i i think I think it'd be quite natural to want to see it and i'm, I'm pretty sure most of the royals probably have checked it out even if they say they haven't just to yeah kind of be like no i definitely i would watch it and i really think as well prince charles is so desperate for camilla to be queen we all know that it's, he's never really hidden that so it's just common sense for them to watch it because they have to know how a show watched by so many people might impact on the reputation it's not going to be that long until he ascends to the throne so if this goes really badly for them it might actually have an impact on how the public kind of reacts to the decision to make her queen consort so i think it's common sense for them, for those who in particular of all of the royal family to be watching. Um, I couldn't imagine any of the others watching, but I could imagine all of their press secretaries watching and just briefing them and saying, oh, this is how you came off or, you know, this is how it looks. I could definitely imagine that one. Um, but yeah, it doesn't surprise me that Camilla watches it because she does also seem to have quite a good sense of humour and seem quite fun. So I, I can imagine she is quite happy to kind of send herself up and laugh at it, you know. But this season obviously doesn't portray her in the best light, so... That's not great. There is that. <laughs> just that she looks fat. great, though. I'd she say she's, great. she's got a great actress to play her, so I think I'd probably be a bit flattered. I think most of them probably get a bit of the a bit of a Hollywood glow up uh, for the show. Yeah. <laughs> so I'd be flattered. <laughs> I was going to say, Lewis, who would you pick to play you then? Oh God, who would be I've your not thought, choice of actor. I've not, you? I've not, I've not thought about that at all. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay. Luckily, I'm not a royal. <laughs> Okay, so looking back at the series then, so what 
you know, there, as I mentioned earlier, some huge storylines were covered. And um, were there any any ones that you guys particularly liked, thought were particularly good, and um, you know, ones that really stuck out for you, Lauren? What ones were your favourites? I think in terms of storyline, actually, my favourite was when Margaret Thatcher and her husband went to Balmoral, and you really understood the class structure in the UK and when they came down for the drinks reception they were dressed in their full dinner yeah. <laughs> you just cringed for her you just felt so embarrassed but you completely as a, as a non-royal and non-aristo I just know that's the kind of thing I'd have done so I've been like oh well you know drinks before dinner and then you go in for dinner of course you dress for dinner it, with the royal family <laughs> I'm gonna put on a ball gown and uh, no no they were all in their country casuals and it was just completely mortifying so I think just the way that that was done I just thought it was really clever like a really small thing it wasn't a huge plot point but it really explained the, re- the difficult relationship as well I think between the Queen and Margaret Thatcher because it's social situations like that that can really affect a relationship and really set things up negatively or positively um, so for me I think it just really set the tone for the whole series and it was so clever I quite enjoyed that in terms of bigger plot points um, I think the the whole kind of Margaret Thatcher being stabbed in the back and kind of pushed out was quite interesting as well, like the the workings of politics and the comparisons between the royal family and how that works and they all kind of bow to the Queen and she's like their big boss and then you have the comparisons with the House of Parliament and, you know, how all the MPs kind of whisper and stab each other in the back as well and there were those two comparisons between basically how this country is run and that was very interesting as well. It was that kind of more geeky stuff that I found quite interesting personally. No, I completely agree. I really, you know, really enjoyed seeing that as well. But kind of obviously politics is always kind of, that's always featured slightly in The Crown, but it took mm. a real front seat in several episodes of this series, which I think was really good. Um, and I completely agree about the, the Balmoral episode I thought was brilliant. Oh, and I found that a few times in this series, actually, maybe more so than in kind of previous episodes. But I, I found myself laughing quite a lot more. I think the kind of mm. the Queen's wit came seemed to come through more than it has before there were lots of comments and you know like little jokes and things like that that I actually found myself kind of chuckling away away at but yeah that episode was brilliant and when she rocks up in her kind of blue suit and heels (laughs) to go to go for a walk but I know it's got to be a hard like to sit there and go, oh, I'm just going to wear my jeans and a jumper down to meet oh, the queen. No. I think you would Not always have a queen. bit of a, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, no. I, I'd also think of my, my grandmother who would just, I'd always think, you know, what would, if she was meeting the queen, what would she wear? And if she saw me going to meet the queen in jeans, <laughs> absolutely not. So. Muddy old trainers. Yeah. Absolutely no way. So I'd be back upstairs and putting on the dress. <laughs> <laughs> no, I completely agree. And, and so, Lewis, what, what parts really stuck out for you? Again, I think actually a lot of the political stuff was a real strength. I really enjoyed uh, the fifth episode about Michael Fagan's break-in to Buckingham Palace, um, but mainly because I think uh, I think the show's really interesting when it does try and kind of like actually get away from kind of the central cast and focus a bit more on kind of ordinary people. That's why I think the, the ABBA fan episode in the previous season was so good. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think this one was good because it also showed the other side of kind of Margaret Thatcher's policies rather than just, you know, her relations with fellow MPs or her husband Dennis or the Queen sitting in the audiences. It was kind of like how her kind of like policies were feeding through to kind of people at the bottom. So I thought that was quite interesting. And then obviously actually reading about it, there's a bit of a debate about what happened in that room. So it was kind of interesting that that was kind of the fictionalised take that Peter Morgan took with it. Um, to kind of, yeah, kind of give a bit more of a snapshot of kind of Thatcher's Britain at the time. Um, but yeah, but then in terms of 
I guess the other longer running storylines I was definitely interested in kind of a bit of like coming of age with Diana. It did feel like she went on a real journey across the whole season from being a bit of a kind of like naive, vulnerable girl at the start when Charles meets her, but still quite optimistic and sprightly. That kind of makes it even more tragic as she faces all these issues all the way through. And then by the end of it, she's a bit more confident and kind of a bit more willing to fight back. Um, So I felt like that was quite a gratifying kind of like journey across the whole thing. Yeah, one of the moments I really liked actually, which I think was kind of the first point you really saw, but not the first point, but you know, when she was on the plane for the Australian tour and you saw her taking the... um, you know, you saw her taking kind of the the advisor into the, that room and saying, "No, look at look at my son. I'm staying." I thought that was quite yeah. a, a really powerful moment of the series because it felt like you were kind of watching her kind of grow and realize I'm not just I'm not just going to be a wife and sit here and smile and wave. You know, and kind of watching her priorities change. And um, that whole episode, actually, I think was probably one of my favorites. The one of the tour. Um, everything yeah. about it, like the kind of you know the, the the backgrounds, the scenery, the fashion, and the storylines. And I thought it was really interesting to have that really enclosed, like, um, focusing on their relationship. Yeah, and because yeah. you got a real sense that they had that they did have like common ground similarities. And I think that episode was probably one of the saddest because you saw that there was like a loving side to their relationship as well. It wasn't all just this toxic kind of like horrible infighting all the time they actually did have those nice moments so then as you know as we saw it deteriorate later on it makes it feel all the more um tragic and but yeah inevitable that they'd be ripped apart yeah i found watching that episode in particular actually almost slightly emotional because you just see this young kind of naive girl really who really wants to make that marriage work and obviously we know where this story is going and it's just I mean, I know it was designed that way. It was designed to kind of make you feel sad and super emotional. But I did, I did really feel that and watch her and just think, God, this is a real sad, sad story. And yeah. it could have been so different. And the moment where Camilla rings to speak to him and he says, no, I don't want to speak to her. I almost punched the air like, yeah, it's a turning yeah. point. Yeah. Like, there might be some real <laughs> happiness. And then literally the next event and it all falls apart. And I just thought, oh God, this is awful. Um, so yeah, it was, you really really wanted to you were rooting for them as a couple and you really wanted it to work and when it when you saw those tentative steps that it might work I thought we might get a couple of episodes of happiness but it wasn't yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no I completely agree it was really yeah when when they had that conversation outside mm. and they kind of that I think that's the bit that we all kind of referred to which I found was as you said was really moving and you did kind of get lost in it a bit and yeah like you said had a had a bit of you know hope and it was quite emotional Okay, um, so moving on then to the fashion, because obviously that's always one of the huge talking points whenever we have a new new season of The Crown. People love talking about the outfits. Yeah. Obviously, the, um, the fantastic team that work behind the Netflix series do amazing work to recreate some of the most iconic looks that the royal family wear. Um, how, do you, do you think, how do you think they did this time around, Lauren? really well it the, i think they worked really hard to tell diana's story through her clothes if you look at the first outfit she's wearing to the last you can see how she's she's grown as a character as a woman um and that was really well done they made sure that they kind of showed her growing in confidence so she starts off as this uh, kind of slow and rangery you know very 
puffy 80s quite loose those awful patterns like I mean there was really nothing on there that you'd want to be rushing out to the shops <laughs> and buying oh hideous um, and then slowly over time you start starts to get a bit tighter you see her waist and it gets a bit more daring and then you get to what is my favorite outfit which is the final one that you see um so there was and there were exact matches there they worked really hard to make sure that for key moments, particularly the Australian tour, there were lots of outfits that were an ex exact match. Um, but they also just got the feel of her, the, the looks that she seemed to love, how, you know, the tartan, the houndstooth, those massive Peter Pan collars. Um, and, and I should really special mention to the wig, because that's that's what really made it there. If you yes. get hair wrong. Love it, a wig. Oh yeah, and that wig, was, I don't know who did that wig, but it was absolutely fantastic it really was spot on for diana and um, so i'm looking forward to the hair as she moves into the 90s because she did always have really incredible hair so yeah i think the fashion was really good as i say i mentioned my favorite look which is the final look and that is um when they all gather together for the sandringham christmas and she's at this point the marriage is is done i mean it's it's not going they've tried it's dead um and she puts on this black sleeveless really tight dress and comes downstairs and it's quite interesting because the royal family traditionally only wear black when they're in mourning so it's kind of a break from protocol so the rest of them are all in these you know awful Christmassy colors and whatever and she's there in her very modern really quite sexy almost black dress and it's she's just kind of you know she's not really part of this family now she's a side and it's a real hint to what's to come because it's of all of the looks it's the only one um that really is like the looks that we're used to thinking of her kind of post charles uh you know the revenge dress and those sorts of looks um i think that's why it's my favorite because it just shows her in that era of her time when she's that strong single woman really out and about in london like a socialite rather than this shy nervous slightly scared girl wearing these like puffy baggy clothes um and it's quite interesting because in real life diana wasn't particularly interested in fashion before she got thrust into the limelight she famously uh, before she moved in to the, um, buckingham palace she had to go shopping with her mum on the king's road because she had nothing she had like one coat one skirt one pair of shoes and she said she just desperately needed to buy a wardrobe because suddenly she was being photographed all the time and she needed all these clothes so it just you know she was a nursery teacher it really was not of interest to her but then i think she realized how she could speak to people and show a little bit of who she was through her clothes and we did see that more kind of as as things moved on so that was really interesting no, I think that's a really interesting point of kind of how they, you know, showing the the change over the years because it's the first few episodes, isn't it, where she's always in the big, you know, the big pattern jumpers with kind of yeah. animals on, aren't they? You kind yeah. of, Very childish. I think it's one of the things that, yeah, it is. It just highlights exactly how young she was and to mm. see that difference of kind of, you know, episode one, you know, and, and the final the final scene, I think, is, you know, a really powerful contrast. And mm. um, what, what are your thoughts on the looks from this series, Lewis? Um, yeah, again, attention to detail, astounding, I think. with the, I mean, the wedding dress, um, I know they didn't kind of show the full wedding, but it did look, did really sort of like capture that. I think um, they, Emma Corrin said recently when she first stepped out um, from behind this massive door on um, on the set, everybody was just like, like stricken silent by it, seeing her in the wedding dress. So I think that was... Um, that was good, and yeah, I did. I loved that uh, final outfit that she wears in in the last scene, as Lauren said, just because I think it really does encapsulate that journey that she's gone on from from the start. I think, I mean, when we first see her and she's in this uh, theatrical fancy dress outfit in the first episode uh, for Midsummer Night's Dream, so she is like this uh, this almost like childlike 
um, creature from nature that's just like sprung up to say hello to Charles. And then by the end, she is this fully formed woman that's kind of going to take control of her own future. So I thought that, yeah, I thought that was really interesting as well. One of the looks that I really loved actually was the, um, again, in the tour episode, but the dress for the kind of the ball they're at and the way they recreated that really famous shot of Charles Mm. kind of spinning her round. And I really loved the ending of that episode, actually, that they kind of, what's the, what's the term for that, Lewis? Is is it kind of like freeze? They like froze on that moment, didn't they? Yeah. And I thought that was, that was really interesting. And again, showed a kind of really nice moment. I thought it, the the outfit really highlighted that well as well. Um, Okay. Fantastic. So one of the big, talking points of this series and one of the things that has been quite controversial is I know we've kind of touched on it briefly earlier on in the episode but obviously the previous you know the first two the first three series even were events that happened a long time ago that most people watching had you know had maybe read bits about but didn't know much about but these are obviously recent events and feature people who are you know still alive and still very much part of the royal family kind of child and Camilla and things like that and lots of people are saying it's really unfair on the family and they should have stopped um, what do you guys think of that Lewis? Um, I mean obviously I, I mean I can totally understand as just like a person um, if you saw yourself portrayed in an unflattering light you would be kind of hurt and a bit upset um, but I think I think there's been a couple of instances in the series past where I could understand more why they caused controversy than um, probably even more than so than this series really um, like with um, kind of events surrounding the death of Philip's sister. I think it was reported that that had offended the palace. Um, and so I can I kind of understand that a bit more. I think it feels like to me that a lot of the anger around this series seems to be more that I think it's so, so much firmly pro-Diana um, with kind of the relationships with the royal family and how she was treated by them. Um, so I can understand why they would be irritated, especially, I mean, as uh, Lauren was saying before, there, there's been this whole... Uh, PR machine working for the last couple of decades to kind of rehabilitate Charles and uh, Camilla's image following uh, Tampon Gate and uh, <laughs> all, all, yeah, and all the stuff kind of surrounding the affair and the breakdown of the marriage of Diana. So I, th- I could understand why they would be offended to see something so pro her and kind of anti, I guess, how the establishment treated her um, kind of spring up again. And then kind of you see on Twitter all these reactions of, oh, I hate them, oh, they're horrible, and what they did to her sort of thing. So I can understand why that would probably anger them more. Um, than anything else so then any kind of I guess inaccuracy that's been put in there for dramatic license they'd probably seize to be like oh god this is this is a lie kind of thing when I don't think the show's ever really claimed to be a documentary as a drama so I think some of the criticism is unfounded but I cannot totally understand even just on a human level why you would be a bit kind of miffed if you came across as a villain uh, in a tv show (laughs) (laughs) I think also it's they've obviously very firmly drawn drawn their line in the sand you know we're pro Diana that's the way that we're going but it's also really interesting the way that they've done characters like Prince Andrew for example and Mm -hmm. is that slightly revisionist because actually yes we know who he is now you know the kind of people he associates with but back then he was this dashing kind of war hero went to the Falklands very popular and they've made him look you know really boorish and awful and I just wonder if that was something they decided to do because they're leading up to something later rather than looking at how he actually seemed to be or was it seen by the public at the time um and I by the way I'm absolutely not defending Prince Andrew I just want to be extremely clear about that but it's just the way they've done the character I just thought it was quite interesting um where obviously they've got the benefit of hindsight to write these 
characters. Um, and although I, I also feel that with Prince Charles and Camilla, everyone says, oh, it's very anti them. And, and I actually think they did, they do kind of make the effort to show you how railroaded into this marriage Prince Charles was. And you do feel some sympathy for him at, at points. I mean, he doesn't come across that well. He does seem like a bit of a mean, kind of petulant, childish man. But equally, you, I think they go to great lengths to show the machine of the royal family and how he kind of just basically didn't really have much of a choice and you just have to go along with it. And the whole episode with Margaret and the hidden cousins, I think that mm. the reason they did that was to show this is this family's brutal, it's a business. And you just, mm. you have to follow the rules of the boss and whoever the boss is at the time. And sometimes, yes, the queen is the boss, but there's also these other people behind, you know, the, the men in the gray suits or whatever, yeah. making decisions about people's lives, but it's not treated as if they're real people. It's, it's all about for the good of the monarchy. Um, and if you're miserable, well, tough luck and get on with it. Um, so yes, I can understand why the royal family isn't thrilled with their depiction, but they did always know this was coming. They were never going to come out of the Diana years looking good. Um, and equally, I do also think, as I say, it does show just how much of a machine the whole thing is um, and perhaps gives people a bit of pause and think, you know, why decisions are made and why people come across badly because they're kind of forced to do things they don't really want to do. I mean, look at Princess Margaret. She's been miserable for three series, frankly. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah they are portrayed as very human, I think, mm. yeah, amidst all this stuff. So they, I think a lot of them do come across really sympathetically, even if occasionally they'll act seemingly just inhumanely and just don't seem to care about other members of their family but actually you can you see them all struggling with it so i think i think it really does tap into um i think is it peter morgan talks about emotional truths um so i think that comes across even if um yeah historical facts might be shifted around or um certain parts exaggerated and other parts kind of like pushed aside just for dramatic effect but yeah i, I mean i'd be flat and i think joshua connor is prince charles is especially oh, yeah, what a dish. Yeah, and, and, and he's just so, um, he just seems so kind of human and sympathetic, even when he's acting in these horrible, in this horrible manner. Like, you still understand it. You, you get why he's acting that way. So it did have a lot of texture to it, I thought. Yeah, he plays that role really well. I think another actor, in another actor's hands, it could have come off very unsympathetically. You know, you come away thinking, God, what a cad. And actually, you come off, as you say, you think, oh, you really see the, the struggles and the almost the trauma of him going to that awful boarding school in Scotland. He's miserable. He mm -hmm. just wants the approval of his father. Then he kind of can't really find his place. It's just all a bit, a bit sad, really. And yes, there is a point you do have to think, gosh, these people are the most privileged people on earth. But at the end of the day, everyone just wants to be happy and to be with the yeah. person they love. So there's, it's just sad all round, to be honest. Mm, yeah, I think that kind of goes back to Ingrid's point, doesn't it? About how I think it's done, you know, it, you know, obviously it's telling a lot of negative stories, but overall it does show that the monarchy and royals don't just get to sit there in nice palaces and wear pretty dresses and just look at all their tiaras all day, that they do have, I think it really highlights the the duty that comes with that privilege in ways that lots of people probably haven't really given thought to before. So I think while individual rules, you know, don't always come out, I think the monarchy as a whole and what they do sacrifice is, you know, is brought very, very kind of, you know, to the forefront in this series, which I think is, you know, can do, you know, might do some good long term. Yeah. Um, so looking then at the different characters in the series um, and the 
you know, some of the new stars that we have had on our screens for the first time. Who was your favourite character from this series, Lauren? Oh, Diana. Emma Corrin is <laughs> such a good actress. She's just so good. You, you just can't stop watching her. She's just, the way it's done is so sympathetic. She's gorgeous, obviously. She's just the shining light of the screen. I thought she was outstanding. She's definitely the breakout for me and I can't wait to, for the next series to see her kind of develop the character even more. And what about you, Lewis? Yeah, I, I think Emma Corrin was just so strong. Like Even if she doesn't always particularly kind of look exactly like Diana, it's the mannerisms and the, the, vo- mm. the voice especially, I think she really captures so well. Um, so yeah, I completely agree with Lauren on that. Um, and I, and I, I do also think Jean Anderson was good as uh, Margaret Thatcher. And I'm not even personally a fan of Margaret Thatcher, but I thought Julian Anderson was a did really kind of capture her as like a bit more of a human because I think it's hard. She's such she is a figure that's almost like she was a walking caricature almost. Like she had such a strong voice and like the way she walked and think everything was just so kind of like almost exaggerated in real life. So it would be quite hard to actually I think kind of capture her her as a bit more of a nuanced figure. Um which I think the show balanced quite well really considering I think they were always going to get criticism from either the left or the right. depending on how she came out so I think they they balanced it well with maybe showing her as a person but then also showing how inhumane her policies might have been for many other people so I I think and and I think her performance reflected that as well. Yeah I think the voice it was really interesting to hear her voice actually that was the kind of thing that I was really waiting waiting to listen I think she did that very well I can't remember you know like the the practice of the you know the training that must have gone into that I thought was was really good. What did you think of Mrs. Thatcher, Lauren? I mean, it was really well done. Just the mannerisms, the way she turned her head slightly to the side when she was listening, yes. which is something I hadn't really noticed before. And then, and obviously also the hair, that big helmet just there, you know, <laughs> and the, there's a scene of her spraying it so you can see the operation. Yeah. Yeah. Also the way they looked at the dynamics between, as her, as a, a female prime minister, but with all these male ministers and they all came to Ten Downing Street and she was serving them dinner. I mean, I honestly, I turned to my boyfriend more than once and said, I cannot believe that in Ten Downing Street there wasn't someone else to serve these people (laughs) dinner, but Margaret Thatcher was doing it while also doing her job and whatever. Um, So, you know, as, as you kind of said, like the way that they show her, whatever you think of her policies, wherever you stand, kind of left or right, I don't think anyone's going to come out of it particularly not complaining either she was too sympathetically portrayed or not enough but they did really well with what they could and I think they got her spot on I, I feel as someone who you know a child of the 80s as it were you know I kind of and the, the reverberating memories I, I think yeah that that's I saw her on screen and thought that's what I kind of imagined she would be like having seen speeches and things like that um and i also really like the way that they did the power play between her and the queen over the commonwealth issue these two strong Mm. women and their uses of power and just very clever and the fact that at the end when the queen says says to her i'm going to give you this award i can't remember exactly what it was now and and it's almost like yeah i won basically (laughs) yeah good for you (laughs) the queen won in the end by doing nothing but she did did win and i just thought it was very well done and so if i remember correctly and this is really testing my knowledge now but um not testing my knowledge testing my memory sorry i think you both said when we sat down last time that you weren't as impressed by olivia coleman's crown as you were previously was that right that you preferred the kind of 
portrayal of the crown in the first two series. Do you, yeah. Did you prefer this one any better? Were you were you more kind of won over by yes. Olivia Coleman this time round? Yeah, I was. I think she's settled into the role. And you mentioned earlier the humour and the wit of the Queen, which starting to see that. And I think she's good at that, actually. And she's played that really well. They've given her a bit more to work with, I think. I think in the last series, it was all a bit, she was a bit staid and a bit, Moni, um, whereas this one, <laughs> you know, always having to deal with her awful children. <laughs> yeah. um, whereas this one, there was a lot more humour. Also, her relationship with Philip is just kind of settled down. Um, so mm. you kind of saw less turbulence in their marriage, which was quite nice. So yeah, I think Olivia Coleman's really um, kind of got into this role, and I'm I am enjoying her a lot more than I was last series. And almost, I mean, I haven't seen Claire Foy now in uh, in the role in a long time because I haven't rewatched the first two series. But on reflection, I probably would say that Olivia Coleman stepped up and has kind of edged ahead for me. <laughs> she must have heard your first review on the podcast. <laughs> thought, right, I need to step up my game. Up my game, yeah. <laughs> what about you, Lewis? Do you agree? Um, yeah, I think she, I think this was definitely a better season for her. As like 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 you both said, I think the humour works so well for. Her. I think Olivia Coleman's got such a such great comedic timing. Um, so this really kind of gave her an opportunity to show that and make her the queen a bit kind of a bit warmer um apart from all these icy things that she gets with diana um but and thatcher but yeah i think she just had a lot more to work with because i think yeah there was um it did seem a little bit like in the in the third series that she did just seem kind of a bit flat and miserable rather than per se like with claire foy often it was just kind of she was glacial and tried to hide her emotions a bit more like the queen does so um, it was nice to see a bit more colour to Coleman's performance but I think Claire Forrester wedges it for me I, I think she was just I think she just captured the um, yeah that kind of like that iciness but still kind of betrayed emotion so well with her eyes um, but I think that's I mean that's also a bit of an anatomical anatomy thing <laughs> her eyes are so uh, was just so good for acting so I think um, yeah, I think she just edges it still slightly, but I was really impressed by Coleman this time around. And so just finally then, obviously, the, the series kind of ends in the, you know, right at the beginning of the 90s. Um, but obviously there are, you know, there's another season to come. So what what's next, Lewis? Um, so they've already, there was a bit of flip-flopping, really. They they initially, they'd always said there was going to be six seasons. Then Peter Morgan rode back on that and said, oh, we're only going to do one fifth final season. And then, uh, and then he changed it again and said, no, we are actually going to do uh, <laughs> seasons five and six. So they're doing another two seasons. But it sounds like they're probably going to um, tackle a shorter length of time with each of them. Um, because they've, com- so they've confirmed cast members because they've confirmed Imelda Staunton will take over as the Queen. Uh, Jonathan Price, who I mean, Game of Thrones fans might remember, who played the High Sparrow in Game of Thrones, he's going to be playing uh, Prince Philip. Um, Leslie Manville, who was I think recently in the film Phantom Thread and BBC sitcom Mum, she's going to be playing Princess Margaret for the final two seasons. And they've also cast Elizabeth Debicki from The Great Gatsby uh, and The Night Manager as the new Princess Diana. And when they confirmed all of these actors, they said that they all appear in both seasons five and six. So that I mean, especially with Diana, that then suggests that we won't see her eventual tragic death in the fifth season. So it should be around for another two seasons. Um, but they have also said that, um, well, reportedly Emma Corrin will also return as Diana as well um, for flashback sequences. So it sounds like they they might kind of explore her kind of like youth a bit more and how that's probably shaped her as an adult. 
And then reportedly, there is also reportedly Dominic West will take over as Prince Charles, which is obviously quite interesting considering all of the recent stories about his personal life. Um, so that'll be interesting to see if they officially kind of confirm him as Prince Charles. Fantastic. Lovely. Well, thank you both for joining me so much. It's been great to kind of have you on and to hear all your thoughts on the show. And to anyone who hasn't watched, you know, finished watching the season yet, we hope you enjoy it. And do let us know what you thought of the season four of The Crown and share your views with us on Instagram and on Twitter. Until next time. Pod save the Queen! 